Hallelujah. Oh, let's give a hand clap of praise unto the Lord. He's so good to us. He's so worthy. He's faithful to us. Hallelujah. Amen. Nothing like God's people. I am so glad that I'm a part of God's people. I can remember when I was just a young teenage boy praying and praying earnestly. God, I don't care if I have to crawl up under the the underpinnings of a platform somewhere and the only part I ever have is to pray if I can be a part of your kingdom if I can if I can have a part in it that someday you say well done thou good and faithful servant if I can have a part in it then God that's all I want and uh, I, I still feel so privileged and so honored to have a part in God's kingdom amen I want to thank Elder Morton for uh, taking, taking a chance on this here service tonight. Amen. No, I love and appreciate Elder Morton. feel like God's put the Word of God. Uh, give me a word. Amen. And uh, I, I, I thank God for West Coast. I thank God for you. For you and... Amen. And for this good fellowship. Amen. Also, I really... I thank God for my good, godly wife. Don't see where she's standing. And my children... Uh, I want to tell you, God blesses a man with a good wife. She's like a crown of gold upon his head. Amen. It makes his headship all that much more glorious. And uh, if you've got a good wife, you need to thank God for her. Amen. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And my three children, Jonathan's my oldest, and I've always called him, had little, I always make pet names for people. Jonathan, I've always called him Johnny, my rock. Because uh, I want to tell you, he just, he just solid. He's steadfast. And David Hunter, pray for him. He's my reflection. Hallelujah. Chantel, well, Chantilly, my love. But I thank God for my family. And uh, Brother Booker said, how many children? You got three. And as soon as I told him that, I thought, but God's given me a lot more sons and daughters. He's given me a lot more sons and daughters. And uh, I am... I, I feel most blessed by the Lord. Amen. Well, you're ready for the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Turn quickly in your Bible to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Very familiar passage. I appreciate so much the ministry of Brother Purdue, Brother Marchbanks, Brother Kuhn. I just love the preaching of the word. Does something for your soul. Amen. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first in the great commandment. In fact, the Lord said, If you got this one straight, you could toss the rest. You wouldn't need anything else in the book if you could just get this one straight. Everything, all the law and the commandments are hanging on this one. You got this one straight. So it's pretty telling that uh, the scripture says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with, I want to direct your attention to, all thy mind. Amen. Also, Romans 7 and 23, 
The scripture says, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. There's a law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And I want to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost the battle for the mind. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are in a battle, and I want to say that this battle is heating up. Uh, And I believe more than ever that we need each other. Uh, We need each other more than just for aggravation, but we need each other for, for our fellowship. We need each other for our differences. We need each other for, uh, I need to hear good preaching from the word. I need to hear things that maybe I haven't heard. You need to hear things that maybe you haven't heard before. Amen. We, uh, we can't make it by ourselves. And, and there is this, uh, there's this war, Paul said. Uh, Jesus said, you must love the Lord with all your mind. And Paul said, there's a, there is a war in my members. There's a, that's warring against the law of my mind. And he said, it's bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Amen. And so there's a battle taking place. And whenever there is a battle, it is important to understand your enemy and understand the terrain or the theater of battle and the tactics of the enemy. And uh, Jesus let us know uh, what the arena that you and I live in today is like. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Amen. In Genesis 6, 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man, speaking of the days of Noah, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. When it is only evil continually, um, then it's really hard to get a true reading on what is acceptable and unacceptable. When a society reaches a place that it is perpetually evil. Just different varying degrees of evil. Then it becomes a challenge and it it becomes a difficult situation to to determine and to define correctly what is good. I can imagine that in the days of Noah that what they thought was was good was really evil. And what they thought was bad was profanely, blasphemously evil. And, and, uh, and so this, this day that we live in, there's a battle for the mind. Uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. The Bible talks about that the spirit of the Antichrist doth already work. Daniel spoke and he said in Daniel 7.25, he said uh, uh, that uh, the Antichrist would, would seek to wear out the saints of the Most High. And he would think to change times and laws. Uh, when you change times and laws, you throw things into a state of flux. They're open-ended and they're very uncertain. Um, I know that that prophecy in Daniel 7 speaks specifically of some certain times and laws, but it also, the principle of, uh, of that applies to the day we live in. And, and uh, because the spirit of Antichrist doth already work, and he seeks to change times and laws. Times, uh, laws are those rules by which a group of people or a society, a nation, by which they function. 
and uh, that's laws. And times are those uh, established behavioral norms uh, that, that give those laws clarity and definition. Uh, 150 years ago, if they'd have had laws against running red lights, they would have been meaningless because the times did not require it. But today, we have laws about how to traverse uh, up and down our highways and in our city streets. And so when times and laws both are being changed, when, when the social uh, foundations are constantly being, being shifted and the laws uh, are constantly in a state of flux, it puts people in a free fall. It's like a, it's like a boat being adrift on an open sea. Amen. And, and, uh, and when only evil prevails, then there are no moorings. There's no benchmarks. There's no, there's no anchor points. There's no way to get a true reading on what is right and what is wrong. And, and we live in a day in which the enemy is indeed coming in like a flood. Ungodliness is not just increasing. It's, it's multiplying. Amen. Uh, it's on the exponential curve, if you please. Norms have changed. What was just accepted, uh, uh, that's all changing now. Clearly understood absolutes are now, they're, they're gray. Uh, easily understood arguments are less and less convincing because everything is in a state of uncertainty. Times and laws have become uh, gray blotches written on gray paper, uh, blowing in the gray wind of a gray twilight. Uh, it's, it's the day that we live in. Uh, and, and, and Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, the thoughts, the imaginations of men's heart was only evil. Amen. From the time they woke up, Till the time they laid their head on the pillow. Amen. It was only evil. Uh, we live in a time when evil is, is trying to permeate. In fact, it has permeated. It has penetrated our society. Till our society is like a sponge that has been uh, dropped into a cesspool. Anywhere you touch it, you're going to have the stink of the cesspool. Because it is, it's permeated with it. It's saturated with it. Uh, amen. And, and, uh, and, and that's... that's the time we're living in. Uh, uh, you get in your car to drive to work. Uh, uh, every billboard you pass, they're either selling you riches or they're selling you pleasure or they're selling you your lewd desires and the lusts of your heart uh, or they're promoting uh, uh, your pride. Uh, you walk into the convenience store to get your coffee and, and the posters on the walls, uh, amen, are selling you uh, fame or money or uh, this is how to get rich or, or, or this is how to be uh, to, to have the desire of your heart and, and this, is, uh, this is the way to fulfill the lust uh, of your flesh. Uh, you open the newspaper and, and the beat goes on. They're selling you uh, be rich or be famous or have your lusts uh, or, or, or appease or, uh, they, they are appealing to your pride. Uh, amen. Uh, uh, you turn on the radio and it's more of the same. It's a steady steady beat of it. Uh, uh, the rhythm just keeps going. Uh, uh, and it's a battle for the mind because Jesus said the first and the greatest commandment, everything else revolves around this, uh, is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy mind. And so the devil uh, he is out uh, uh, to win your mind, uh, to affect your mind, uh, amen, and to take your mind away from the things of God. But it doesn't end with just what's happening in our society because he's entered the homes and he's entered our congregations. Um, when you live in a society that's boiling, the church is going to feel the heat. 
just you're going to feel it. It's going to affect the temperature of the church. Um, now, in the home, whether it's through Internet, Brother Purdue, or it's through uh, the gaming industry, um, in which, uh, and I've told my people of our church, I, I don't feel bad at all about telling them, you can't, you can't use certain types of things to entertain yourself. We live in a society, and I'll tell West Coast, I want to tell you, this graphic violence and some of these warrior uh, games where there's women that aren't dressed right and, and everything's got to be blood just splashing on the walls. And, and this, this, I want to tell you, you have, you have no business entertaining yourself with that. And, and, and it's not pleasing to God. We live in a society. We live in a society that we have more leisure than probably any generation that's ever lived on the face of the earth. We don't need to patty cake our kids, patty cake our young people, patty cake each other like, well, we got to let them do something. No, no, we've got to understand uh, that there is a battle for the mind uh, so that from the time you wake up in the morning, uh, amen, till the time you go to, to sleep at night, uh, uh, the devil is trying by whether they are overt means or subtle means. His attempt is to draw your mind away. To draw your mind away. Amen. He may not get you to go rob a bank because that's real evil. But if he can get you just to sit and just touch the sponge of the cesspool. Amen. And not even realize that you're sinking in it. You're just getting this because of society that is only evil continually where they can shack up together and they don't think anything about it. They can get pregnant and out of wedlock and they're not ashamed. Uh, amen. Uh, uh, they can do cranking and, and they can be a drunkard and, and they cannot pay their bills and, and they can just plan to go bankrupt as part of their business venture, part of their business uh, uh, plan. Uh, amen. I want to tell you, that's a society, amen, that's going, that's becoming so corrupt, uh, amen, uh, that it's only evil continually. And the church, the church has to be alert. Church has to be sober. Church has to be vigilant. Amen. And this steady bombardment keeps coming. And it's like the staccato rattle of gunfire. It's from the enemy and it never ceases. And it begins to numb the mind until people stumble stupidly along doing things they never would have done just a few years ago. Are they backslid? A lot of them aren't backslid. Most of them aren't. No. Are they falling prey to the devil's devices? Yes. Yes. And someone asked me for service tonight, are you nervous, Brother Bertram? In fact, a few people asked me. And I uh, said, no, I'm not nervous. I was a little bit nervous because I got a lot of things I want to say and I don't want to miss any of it. It's easy to miss some of it. Uh, but uh, this... This time we live in, I want to tell you, it's entered the church. Because your pastor can preach something. And you can go home and go to another man's church website or another conference church website. And you can, you can listen to someone else preaching that your pastor would have never sent you to go hear him preach. I've had people uh, in the church that they come in, they're zealous, uh, and next thing I know they're telling me, well, I'm, I'm doing this Bible study online. I say, hold it right there. 
I don't know, Brother Purdue, maybe we got to tighten some things up. Uh, you, don't just, you don't just go jump on anybody's uh, 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 classroom and start learning what they've got to say. I'm going to tell you, where you repented of your sins and were filled with the Holy Ghost is the place God planted you and the place God intended you to be taught the ways and the things of God. Not by everybody everywhere. You can go home and I'm going to tell you nowadays our people can, they can be hearing conferences and hearing voices that drastic, that dra- are drastically different from the voice, uh, amen, of their pastor coming out uh, with a message, uh, amen. Uh, and we are witnessing, now stay with me, I'm laying just a little foundation here. We are witnessing uh, a violent meltdown of natural boundaries. I want to tell you, the fences aren't being torn down. They're being evaporated. And and the spirit of Antichrist, which seeks to wear out the saints of the Most High, and thanks to change, times, and laws, is the day that we live in. But Peter said this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Amen. As it was in the days of Noah. Amen. So shall it be in our day. Amen. Man's thoughts were only evil continually. God saw the wickedness of man, that it was great in the earth, and the imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually but interjected into that story in genesis chapter 6 is a man who doesn't fit amen he doesn't fit that society he doesn't fit that culture amen the bible says but noah but noah but the apostolics but the blood-washed pentecostals but the spirit-filled jesus name baptized holy living Quit trying to sell me relevant Christianity. I don't want my church to be relevant uh, to the society I live in. A relevant Christianity in a world where there's no absolutes uh, is a dangerous, useless thing. I looked up the Young's literal translation about Noah. It said, these are the births of Noah. Noah is a righteous man. Perfect hath he been among his generations. With God hath Noah walked habitually. Habitually. How do you survive? How do you survive when you live in a day like Noah's day? How do I make it, preacher? How do I make it in big style? Ride the crest of the wave. I want to tell you how you do it. You habitually walk with God. There's some habits that get started that just don't bend when the times change and the laws change and society changes. Amen. And fads come and go and trends come and go and movements start within. Amen. Even the religious circles to try and change what were established laws, what were established and understood things. Amen. I want to tell you, Noah walked with God habitually. And that's how you survive in a world that's in a state of flux. 
uh, amen, uh, you walk with God habitually. Uh, amen. Old path seems to be a word that is out of vogue. Uh, but I want to say to the silverheads, uh, please hold the line. Uh, quit trying, amen, uh, amen, to identify uh, uh, with young men my own age uh, that are just coming into our prime, I guess. Uh, amen. Don't try to be my buddy. Amen. Hold the line. Uh, amen. Hold a good habit. Uh, amen. Don't bow to the pressure of our day. Uh, amen. Don't bow to the pressure. Don't try to be accepted by me and my generation, Brother Coon, Brother Booker. Don't try to be accepted uh, by us. Uh, amen. That are in our ministries. Uh, amen. But hold the line God gave you. Uh, amen. And I want to tell you something, Church of the Living God. Uh, you better thank God for a pastor. Amen. That'll hold the line. Uh, amen. That doesn't bow to the pressure of our day. Doesn't bow to the pressure. You may be seated because it may look like the world's getting by with this. They were eating and drinking, buying, selling, marrying, giving in marriage. That means they were, everything was booming. Like our skyscrapers going up and our highways being built and commerce taking place until the day the flood came. Until the day. This world's not going to get away with the wickedness. And God hasn't changed His position on evil. And God is not... He's not trying to be relevant to this society. Noah just simply didn't bow. There was another man. In fact, it said of Noah, and Noah saved his house. He moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Amen. There was another man that did not bow. And I want to direct your attention to him because I want to dwell on this story for a little bit in, uh, in Esther chapter 3. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, uh, nor did him reverence. Then was Haman full of wrath. Uh, amen. Just like Noah, Mordecai was just out of vogue. Uh, it looked like everybody else, uh, when Haman passed by, they went ahead and gave him his little his little nod. Uh, amen. But there was something in Mordecai that realized there's certain things we don't even nod to. There's certain things we don't even bend to. There's certain things we're not compromising even a little bit to. Amen. And Mordecai would not bow even a little bit. Uh, he was not smooth and he wasn't diplomatic. When it came trumpet time, uh, amen, Mordecai, amen, knew how to lift the trumpet to his lips, uh, whether it was to Haman or whether it was to Esther. I'm going to read es Esther 3 and 1. And these things, after these things, did King Ahuzeris promote Haman, the son of Hamadathah, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman. Esther 6, 6. So Haman came in and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? I'm talking about the battle for the mind. Just... The king says, what, uh, what should I do, Haman, to the man I delight to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart. To whom, this is the thought that's playing out in his mind, to whom... Would the king delight to do honor more than to myself? And so he said, well, king, take the king's own horse. Take the king's own robe. Take the king's own crown. Take the king's most noble prince. 
and set that man on the king's horse. Take the king's horse away from him. Take the king's crown off his own head. Take the king's robe off his back. And put it on this man. And I just wonder, you know, I doubt that Huzarus was just a dummy. And I'll bet that while Haman was talking, he was thinking, wow, Haman. Wow. I I imagine Haman all of a sudden became clear as glass to Huzarus. And, and, and Haman no more than gets it out of his mouth. And Huzarus said, quick, go do everything you've said unto Mordecai. The one that didn't bow. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how it looks in our world. It doesn't matter how bad the situation looks. There's coming a day, do you hear me? God's going to see to it that you get the crown put on your head. Just don't bow to this world. God's going to see to it that he puts the best robe on your back. God's going to set you on the horse. God's going to appoint an honorable one to lead you to the place of blessing. God's going to work in your life. Bible says the carnal mind is enmity against God. There's only one way to keep your thoughts uh, from getting you into trouble. And that's to conform them to the mind of Christ. Bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ. Uh, Amen. Your thoughts uh, can make you a smashing success. Or they can do you like they did Haman. Just get you a good smashing. Amen. Uh, It's all in the mind. Uh, It's that battle for the mind. Uh, How are you? I want to tell you. Amen. One place the scripture said of the children of Israel that God had brought them into the lovely land. Uh, But they despise the pleasant and the lovely land. Uh, God can be blessing you. God can be doing great things in your life. uh, Guiding you through minefields. uh, uh, Preparing a great thing for you. But if you're walking according to the flesh, uh, if you're walking according to the carnal mind, uh, you'll be miserable. Amen. You'll be miserable. You'll be hating life. Uh, You'll be despising the good and the pleasant land. uh, Because you're not thinking right. Uh, You don't have your head on right. Uh, Amen. Uh, you're letting you're letting the spirit of this world uh, permeate your mind. Stay with me. When Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath, and he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy. All the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of the Hoosers. Even the people of Mordecai. You see, Haman thought he was something great. But really, as a man thinketh, so is he. And he had petty, vindictive, murderous thoughts. And they had, they had so saturated him. Amen. Until that's really what he was. He was just a petty, vindictive, murderous, foolish man. And the end of it was, was that he hung on the gallows uh, that he had prepared for Mordecai. But when you look at this story of a man who will not bow, a man who will not bow to the pressure of the day, whether it was from Haman uh, and that secular kingdom of Ahuzeres, uh, or whether it was pressure from his fellow countrymen that were probably saying, hey, Haman, uh, Mordecai, come on. Come on, don't get Haman mad. The king's made him second in command to himself only. Come on, come on. Can't you just, can't you just bend a little bit? Uh, but Mordecai would not 
bow to Haman. He would not bow. And you look at this story. This Haman, his thoughts get him hung. But in the same story, uh, the, there's a there's a there's a young queen by the name of Esther. Amen. And she is guided by thoughts that are higher than her own. Amen. Uh, I want to tell you the Bible says, "Don't lean to your own understanding." Amen. Uh, don't try to get your pastor, Amen, to rationalize everything out for you until you're satisfied. There's some things that you have to say, you know what? God, amen, set it up. He said, I'm going to give you pastors after my own heart that will feed you with knowledge and with wisdom that is good for you. Submit yourself to them that have the rule over you. For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. Now, Mordecai, Mordecai heard the law that Haman had written and knew his nation was in trouble. He robes himself in sackcloth, rubs his face with ashes, doesn't go sit in the backside somewhere. He goes to the king's gate. Word gets brought to Esther, your cousin or your uncle. He is at the king's gate. And you don't approach the king's gate looking like you're all ragged out. And he's robed in sackcloth. And he's covered his face with ashes. He's marred his visage. And he's there wailing. He's not just quietly sitting at the side. He's lifting up his voice and lamenting. And so uh, Esther tries. Uh, her solution was send him a, you know, a nice suit and tell him to clean up and get his suit on and, and let's talk about it. And, and, and Mordecai sends the suit back and says, no, no, I'm going to dress up and act like everything's okay uh, and act like everything's going to be just fine uh, uh, because I still got a suit and a tie on and, 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 and I'm still going to church. Uh, amen. I want to tell you, there's some things when evil begins to permeate the land, uh, uh, you've got to be diligent uh, and you've got to know when not to bow, uh, whether it's to the secular world uh, or to pressure within your own house. Uh, listen to me, Father. Listen to me, Mother. Amen. We got too many moms and dads wanting to be friends with their kids instead of parents to their kids. Amen. Your kids do not have all days in the most wicked generation where only evil, amen, only evil perpetually, amen, is flooding our streets and our, our, our airwaves and our schools. Your children do not need you to be there. They don't need you to be their friend. They need you to be their good godly parent that's not afraid to stand up, amen, and be an old funny dud in their mind. If your kids think of you as a real cool hip mom and dad, you're not a very good mom and dad. And if you're waiting for them to think it's cool when you say, no, you're not doing that, and this is what you're doing, amen, you're going to be waiting a long time. They will glad, it amazes me how many parents will gladly uh, relinquish uh, the decision making to their children. Uh, and so the children become boss uh, and mom and dad uh, become popular when it's supposed to be the other way around. Kids are supposed to be popular and mom and dad are supposed to be boss. I'll tell you what it is. It's a generation that bows to everything. And I'm preaching to the church here today. I'm not preaching to those on the outside. God's raised up a people. You know what he said about Abraham? I know Abraham. He will command his family right concerning me. God's looking for a generation that are the seed of Abraham. Amen. That'll stand up and say, we're doing what's right. I'm going to make some judgment calls in this home. We're going to have this and we won't have that. And yes... 
preaching this way because my sons are probably going to marry some of your daughters. And my daughter's going to marry one of your ugly guys probably. But we can't stumble stupidly along uh, with landmines going off around us uh, and evil permeating until it numbs us. Uh, we can't just stumble stupidly along and say, well, okay, well, I guess that's the way it is. No, that's not the way it is. Uh, that's not the way it is. We are a generation that are called out. The church is called out. The church is separate. The church is different. Uh, the church uh, is an elect body, an elect people. Amen. A peculiar treasure looks different than the world, sounds different than the world, is different than the world, talks different than the world, walks different than the world. You look at Mordecai. When Mordecai talked to Esther, he said, Think not that you shall save yourself. Then he tells her, Who knows but what you've come to the kingdom for such a moment as this? He gets a hold of Esther. Now she's the queen. But he turns her thoughts completely outward and upward so that she no longer considers herself. Thank God for a man of God that will not bow to the pressure. Esther was his little darling. Esther was the one he had raised. Esther was the one that was dearest to his heart. Now she's ascended the throne, if you please. She's in her place of preeminence. She's sitting, virtually, she's the queen. She's sitting on the throne. Esther, don't you think that you can save yourself? I want to tell you, in this last hour, we live in an extreme age. Everything's extreme. It's going to happen in the church. Things that we never dreamed of. Extreme. I'm talking about blessings. Extreme levels. It doesn't matter whether you're paying $100 tithe or you're paying a million dollars tithe. It doesn't matter how high up you go or how high God promotes you. You're still always going to have to have the man of God that you listen to. It doesn't matter how profound your gift is or, or how great your ministry is. Amen. God is going to promote people. He's going to give you places to walk in this earth. You're going to shine like the stars of heaven in the midst of a dark and ungodly generation. Amen. But just remember this. When you get all done, amen, you still have to have an ear tuned to the man of God. That when the man of God says, hey, I know you're sitting in the palace and I'm down here in sackcloth and ashes, but I'm the voice that you have to listen to above all others. Child of God, the victory is won when our thoughts turn outward and upward in that battle for the mind. But it is lost when they turn inward and everything is about me. The Bible says the very least in the kingdom of God is greater than all the powers of hell. The very least conquer when they are thinking right. The four lepers, amen, they get up and say, why sit we here till we die? Amen, let's, let's go down to the, to, to the, to the Syrians and, and, and let's go. And, and they go and the very least, the four lepers turn everything around. And the very greatest, uh, amen, come to nothing when they're not thinking right. Uh, uh, Naaman, uh, amen, Naaman, uh, uh, the captain of the host of, of Syria. Uh, Naaman, he goes to, and he finds Elisha and 
and, and when he finally finds Elisha, he pulls up on his chariot. Uh, he's got his horses. Uh, he's in his regal fanfare. Uh, he's the captain of the host of Syria. Amen. And he pulls into uh, Elisha's yard and, 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 and is waiting for Elisha. The Bible said this, that Naaman said, I thought that surely he would come out. I mean, after all, I am Naaman. And strike his hand over the place of the leprosy and recover the leper. Instead, what Elisha did, uh, amen. Now, now Naaman's thinking one way, but Elisha's thinking another. And Elisha says, I'm not even going out there and talking to that guy. Amen. He sends his servant out and tells him, go dip in Jordan seven times. Uh, and Naaman goes away in a great uh, rage. Uh, amen. And it's Naaman's servant that finally gets a hold of him and says, you're not thinking right, Naaman. And so Naaman stops and goes and dips seven times in Jordan. And you know the story. He is, he's cleansed of his leprosy. But at first, the way he was thinking had him going back to his doom. Going back to his death. You see, there's a principle. It's a principle taught in the Word of God that authority must be under authority centurion said to Jesus, I am a man under authority. Jesus, when he heard that, said, wow, I've not seen so great faith in all of Israel. Jesus said to Pilate, Pilate said, don't you know I have power to do thus and thus? And Jesus said, you could do nothing except the authority we're giving you from above. I'm going to say something to the Mordecais and the fathers and the leaders, the ministerial helps. Amen. Uh, 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 all authority must be under authority. And I'm asking you, Mordecai, where are you? Where are you when your son comes of age and starts catting around and making a fool out of himself? Amen. Where are you, Mordecai? Amen. Will you lift up your voice? Do you, uh, are you always going to wait for the pastor? God didn't call the pastor to be your children's father. He didn't call the pastor's wife to be your children's mother. God called you to be their father and you to be their mother. Amen. And I want to tell you, when our children come of age, amen, the first thing, yeah, I enjoy my children. I, I think they're great. I thank God for them. They're a blessing. Amen. But I want to tell you, when I get all done thinking of how proud I am of my children, there's one thing that always we hit the ground running and it's shoe leather on pavement. And that is you're going to do right or I'm going to tell you about it. You know what that makes for? That makes for good kids. That makes for good young people and good young men. Amen. It makes for good living. Amen. For God in a world when everybody else is decaying. It's not hard to live successfully for God. You just got to do it God's way. Amen. It's not difficult. I'm telling you, the devils can be having baby devils and wickedness increasing and evil filling the land. And I want to tell you, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Amen. Amen. You'll have light in your dwellings. When darkness covers Egypt uh, till it's so heavy they can feel it uh, and they can barely breathe, you can have light in your dwelling. Uh, you can have joy in your dwelling, joy in your home, peace and prosperity abounding. But these are, these are the times we're living in. Mordecai had been too suave. You know, what's lost in all that is the stunning truth that Mordecai rebuked Esther. It's all lost in the glory of the outcome. He said, Esther, don't think you'll save yourself. He said, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're going to perish and your whole father's house is going to perish. It's never talked about. 
conscience. Never talk to them. Because it's lost in the glory of the outcome. If Mordecai had been too suave to rebuke Esther, and if Esther had thought, I've arrived, and I'm an untouchable item, amen, this whole story would have went down in flames. But because, amen, the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, of those that received the word of the Lord with all readiness of mind, and in Acts 20, that they serve the Lord with humility of mind, amen, when you've got readiness of mind and humility of mind, two states of mind, amen, that are, that are imperative, amen, to serving God, amen, when you've got that, you've got a winning combination, and it don't matter what the devil's devised or what he's coming up with. Amen. God is going to triumph. Amen. And because Mordecai lifted up his voice like a trumpet. Amen. And Esther received it. She today is still the most celebrated figure in all of Jewish history. The feast. Amen. Celebrating Esther. We had a Jewish boy come into our home for several months. Amen. And you ought to hear him to this day talk about Esther. Why? Because a man lifted up his voice and did not let her trivialize her position. I, I, I know I've got a burden on my heart and I've got some things I've just got to say. Amen. Because I'm burdened for our church. I'm not worried about what's happening somewhere else. I'm worried about what's happening among us. Amen. We've got, God has given us circles of fellowship. We're not going to have the blessing of God by naysaying about somebody else. We're going to have the blessing of God not by who we draw the lines against, but by what we dedicate ourselves to. What we dedicate ourselves to. Amen. Amen. There is, uh, there's some, there's things going on. Amen. When our, I want to tell you, uh, uh, music minister. Amen. When God gives you a gift and you, and you become so influential and the anointing of God comes on you, I want to tell you why God anoints men and God gives men gifts and God raises men up with, with, with great power in a church. It's because God loves His church. It's because God wants to bless His church. And He wants to use you. And He wants you to be the conduit. It's, I'm going to tell you, there's a reason God raised Esther up. Not so she could model a man of queen's clothes, but so that she could do a great work. Was she going to enjoy living in the palace? Yep. Was she going to eat the finest food every day? Yep. Amen. Was she going to have the whole kingdom looking at her? Yep. But that wasn't why. That was just a benefit of why. Amen. That was just a side benefit. Amen. Her reason for being there. Amen. Was to do a work for God. Amen. And there's going to come a time when you have your gift and your calling and God's using you powerfully. And Mordecai lifts up his voice and says, no, we're not doing that kind of music. No, we need to slow this down. No, you're not dressing that way. No, we're not going there. This is what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. This is the way we're going to do it. That's not the way we're going to do it. Amen. You better have your ear tuned in. Amen. Even though you're on your throne of ministry, even though God's given you a place of power, even though God's blessed you financially, even though you're influential in the church, even though you got a lot of friends and you say, I could pull a lot of people, you better understand something. God raised you up for his glory. And you can save the kingdom. I want to tell you something, 
Preacher friends, uh, when our children come of age, uh, I hope we have more Mordecai's that can lift up their voice when our daughter starts dressing crazy. Amen. And getting a little too excited about the fact uh, uh, that she's a young woman now. Amen. And starts trying to dress and flaunt herself. I want to tell you, I want to tell you something. It's not pleasing to God when the Mordecai's keep their, their mouth shut. When it's our sons and daughters uh, uh, that God puts in a place uh, of influence in the church. Uh, amen. We can't keep our mouth closed if we see our Esthers. Uh, amen. Trivializing the place God has given them in the kingdom. This kingdom's too great. I'm not preaching this mad. I'm not preaching it mean. I started off by saying we need each other. I'm telling you, we need each other. I don't have any axe to grind with anybody. I thank God for the big churches. God blesses uh, men and gives them power and gives them ministry. Amen. And God, when God blesses those big churches, He's blessing us little churches. When God blesses men with great ministry, amen, God's blessing us. And we got to be careful because it's easy for us to bite and devour one another and end up being destroyed by one another. I'm not biting. I'm not devouring. I'm pleading. I'm saying, listen, we got a great kingdom. This is not a time to stick our head in the sand. This is not a time to quarrel among ourselves. This is a time to stand up. Where are you, Mordecai? Where are you, Mordecai? Where are you? There's nothing like the Holy Ghost, and I don't want to lose it. So Esther, and you see Esther applies to more than the female figure here. Esther applies to anybody that God has promoted. Can Mordecai rebuke you? Or does he dare? Does he dare? Can he challenge you? There's some stuff, and I want to tell you, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to pastor. And there's a lot of things. I give a lot of latitude. I really do, because I've been on three sides of the fence. You didn't know there was three. There's three sides. really have. I've been on three sides of the fence. Raised on three different sides of the fence. And I've seen, and I've seen good godly people full of the Holy Ghost that I think would have went up in the rapture quick as anybody. And so I... I just want to say something. A few years ago, I noticed a trend coming in of, of in women's nylons, of these pattern designs. And they look really good. Too good. You see, let's just get real. And, and, and they didn't stop there. I just, you know, I thought, man, well, at our church I said, no. And a few of them tried it. No, we don't do that. Uh-uh. You girls are too pretty as it is. Just leave all that stuff off. You're beautiful. You don't have to worry. The boys are gaga about you already. Just leave that stuff off. Just keep it, keep it plain. Then they went to fishnet. I, I'm not beaten up. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Fishnet. Fishnet nylon. 
And I want to tell you, there are good, godly, Holy Ghost-filled women. Now, I know some of you are going to disagree with this, but they, they put them on and they haven't had one lewd thought in their heart and not one bit of ungodliness in their mind. But I want to tell you something. You hear this preacher. God said, I don't take pleasure in legs like a man does. So God recognized that the legs are a sensual, attractive part of the body. He said, I'm not like a man. I don't take pleasure in legs. And in another place, he said, my glory I will not give to another. And, and we understand that the way we, the way we live and dress, we are not to draw sensual attention uh, to ourselves. Uh, amen. And, and so I, I'm saying to you, good, godly, Holy Ghost-filled ladies, uh, amen, uh, uh, that, that your Holy Ghost-filled legs don't make fishnet stockings sanctified. It doesn't sanctify them. Good I'm not preacher. trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm really, it doesn't make them holy because you're holy. You know, Proverbs 7 and 10, he said, And behold, I saw a woman in the attire of a harlot. Fishnet stockings has always been the attire of a harlot. Uh, and so I say, hey, there's one, you know, uh, don't go there. Our, our Holy Ghost filled ladies, they don't belong wearing that stuff. Uh, amen. Uh, amen. And I'm, I'm beseeching you, Mordecai. Uh, amen. Lift up your voice. Uh, amen. Lift up your voice and say, you know what? We're not crossing that line. Uh, amen. Uh, why? Why, Brother Bertram? Why are you bringing out? I want to tell you something. A ship is turned one degree at a time. A ship is turned. It doesn't just turn all at once. Amen. I want you to understand something else. The older we get, the less trouble we personally have with being shocked by it. Because we're dying. But I want to tell you something. Our 16-year-old boys are still being shocked by it. And this ain't about just me getting to heaven. I want my boys to get to heaven. I want my girls to get to heaven. And Mordecai, you may be 50, you may be 60, you may be 70, but don't ever quit lifting up your voice. We live by God's principles, not our state of life. We live by God's principles, not our state of mind. We live by God's principles. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you what, if our ladies can carry, I want to tell you, I don't believe our ladies carry the burden of holiness. They carry the honor. They carry the banner of holiness. And I thank God for our good Holy Ghost filled ladies. I thank God for my good Holy Ghost filled wife, a godly wife. Amen. She encourages me. She supports me. She lifts me up when I'm down. Amen. She works herself to death for the kingdom of God. Wears herself out. Pours herself into it. Amen. And I want to tell you something. If our ladies can carry the banner of holiness, let's not make them carry it alone, brethren. Let's put our back into it. I said let's put our back into it. I'll tell you what I mean by that. When a floozy goes walking by, and she's walking by, and you can tell she thinks she's all that in a bag of Doritos. She's walking there. Just put your back into it. Don't make your godly wife, your godly sisters in the church, uh, amen, carry that banner alone. Put your back into it. Bear up under it. Help them carry that banner. And the floozy standing there. Just put your back into it. 
I stood in one more than one supermarket line and I could tell somebody thought, boy, I'm just, I'm just all that. And I just put my back into it. Ain't gonna give you, honey, even the least little bit. If my wife dressed like you, she'd make you look like a dog. Come on. Come on, brother. We need to put our back into it. We need to love holiness and thank God for what we got and live it. Amen. And help our ladies carry the banner of holiness. There's another trend taking place that I'm concerned about. And I want to say, nothing will ever make superficiality supernatural. There's a tremendous amount of worldly influence encroaching in our worship. Hollywood superficiality is a slap in the face of God. I want to tell you, this world is sensual. It's materialistic and it's proud. They want what they want, when they want it, how they want it. They make no pretense. They convert most. Very few walk away from the altars that this world has. The altars of self-gratification and self-indulgence and self-aggrandizement. That's been the real world for the natural world ever since Adam and Eve. Please my pride. Please my eyes. Please my belly. It's the product this world offers. But I want to tell you something. The Lord Jesus Christ offers a real product also. He said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. It is joy unspeakable. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It tastes like honey in the rock. It's something different than what this world offers. When Brother Purdue started singing for the glory of God, we didn't lower the lights and turn on a strobe and hit him with a spotlight and do all kinds of theatrics, Hollywood theatrics. Amen. No, all it takes is anointed singing. All it takes is a heart of pure worship a heart that's been bought in the blood that's what apostolic is I said that's what Pentecost is that's what we are Understand something. Uh, amen. There, there is some encroachment taking place uh, in the apostolic circles. Uh, there's encroachment. And I'm not talking about on the outside. I want us to stay clean. I hope this tape goes around the world. Uh, I hope other men are preaching this better than I can preach it. Uh, because I don't want to lose uh, any of our brethren. And I don't want those that are starting to dabble. Amen. Uh, with Hollywood techniques uh, to try and worship God. Uh, to continue down that path. I want them to realize we're degrading something that's superlative rather than enhancing it. We're reducing it rather than making it better. Amen. There is nothing better than just Holy Ghost filled singing. Leave the lights on. My goodness, don't turn them down and put on a spotlight like we're having some kind of Saturday Night Live, like we're competing with this world. This is not about glorifying the flesh. This is about glorifying God. And you hear me, when we reduce God's real thing to a superficial imitation, the only real thing left, and this better chill you, the only real thing left is the world's real thing. 
I said when you reduce God's supernatural to a Hollywood superficial imitation, the only real thing left is what the world's doing. And your young people are going to go where the real thing's happening. My daughter, 14-year-old daughter, said something profound to me. She said, Dad, some of those places where we went, uh, we quit going. We just quit trying thinking that, well, maybe this time it'll be different. Well, maybe this time it'll be different. Well, maybe this time it'll be different. She said, Dad, it's like uh, uh, they were trying to entertain the kids that didn't want God and forgot about all us that wanted the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, if your kids don't want God, don't bring, the, don't bring Hollywood in. Don't bring all the spotlights in. Don't bring the fun and games in and try to mix them up together. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You better just go back. Uh, amen. Because you're going to end up with nobody. The ones that want God are going to have no God. Uh, and the ones that don't want God are going to have just what they want. want to tell you, amen, spirit and truth uh, are the two poles uh, of Pentecost. Uh, and the axis that connects them is the spirit of holiness. Uh, that's the world of Pentecost. Uh, amen. Uh, amen. Uh, and that world uh, is a perfect world. I want to tell you, Zion is already perfect. God told Moses, make me a tabernacle. He didn't say, go down and see what Pharaoh's doing and name your conference after his uh, and go see what Hollywood's doing uh, or my worship won't be, it won't have any jazz to it. It it won't be saucy enough. Uh, Amen. No, uh, God had his own way of doing things. Uh, Amen. I heard uh, recently that they were going to do something called almost, it was going to be like the Pentecostal Emmys. I'm talking about a battle for the mind. You understand, I'm talking about a battle for our mind. Where it's coming in on every side, it's not just at work, it's not just on the highway, it's not just in the home, it's not even, it, it, it permeates even the church. And then, and then our worship, and then sacred things, and holy things, amen, the way we're doing them. And before long, it's like it's coming in from everywhere, it's coming in from everywhere, amen. The spirit of Antichrist changing laws and times. I want to tell you something, God has a church, and, he, and the scripture said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, but I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice they sacrifice to devils and not to God and I would not that you should have fellowship with devils you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils you cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils uh, amen uh, Solomon in, in, in view of this precept uh, when he constructed the temple amen uh, what is it Exodus 20 said if you lift up your if you're going to build me an altar don't build it of hewn stone How long, have I been going an hour yet? I'm supposed to stop in an hour an hour He said, don't build it of hewn stone. He said, because if you lift up your tool on my altar, you polluted it. You polluted it. There is a polluting of our worship going on. A polluting of it. There ain't nothing better than just breaking a sweat. Either singing the sweet songs of Zion that just melt your heart and want you to get in the floor and just lay on your face. Or singing about the glory of God till you're dancing back and forth. I want to tell you, it just don't, that don't need no improving. We don't need our worship 
polluted. Trivializing the sacred is the folly of the world. And it's the chief goal of hell to try and reduce the sacred things. Amen. Until they are more of a, they're colored like the world and they're textured like the world. It's like Belshazzar's impious feast. He wanted to mix the sacred with the carnal. He took the holy vessels and he was also going to have fun and, 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 and drink and celebrate this world. Amen. There's been a precept in the word of God. You don't plow the ox with the ass. Amen. Light and dark don't mix. Amen. You don't even weave linen and wool together. Why? Because there's a difference between things. Amen. You, there's a distinction between things. There are two different things altogether. And so we don't mix this world's imitation with God's real thing. Amen. Hear me something. 20 years ago, our dress mattered. 20 years ago, our speech mattered. 20 years ago, we didn't hobnob with Trinitarians. 20 years ago, amen, we knew what we were. And I want to tell you, it still matters today. The world's getting darker. Let the church shine brighter. Amen. The world's changing. Amen. And getting more and more into the superficial. Let the church seek more and more after the supernatural. You say, how do we do it? I'll tell you how you do it. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You see, the human heart lusts after things that can be seen. And we are not immune, uh, immune to that. The flesh can be tricked, but the Spirit of God can't be. You see, the flesh can be tricked into thinking that something that is sensational is spiritual. But God's not tricked. God's not tricked. And so, we have to seek after Him. We live in a day when there's a pressure to silence the voice of the preacher. There's a pressure there. You read about Zedekiah, the son of Chenana. He made him horns of iron. Micaiah said, no, you're not going to prosper. But Zedekiah, he, he got sensational. Man, he made him horns of iron. And he prayed back and forth and got all the prophets prophesying this was going to happen, that was going to happen. And, and the pressure to always entertain, the pressure to tell people what they want to hear, the pressure pressure to end tomorrow night dancing the pressure pressure it's got to end a certain way um, one of the reasons I wasn't nervous about preaching that I thought you know I've got a good church God's blessing I'm not looking for a church and uh, the only pressure I'm feeling is God I want to get this said I want to get it said right where it blesses your kingdom uh, the pressure make everybody feel like we hadn't ex- entertained a little something sensational. I want to tell you what uh, with every wall every block of sensationalism that we lay and every block of superficiality hear me I'm not just talking we build a wall that the Holy Ghost cannot penetrate and I want to tell you when we get done building our little kingdom of superficiality it's a wall that the Holy Ghost won't penetrate and more horribly it won't live within those walls God, He doesn't need the sensational. 
All he needs is his people to get anointed. And I want to tell you, there ain't nothing sensational like when God's people get anointed. I'm going to tell you, when Zion decides to have a party and the spirit starts moving and the dancing and the anointed organists begin to play and the drummer fills the unction, I want to tell you, the rhythm ain't never seen rhythm, amen, like an anointed drummer. And ain't never seen getting down, having a hoedown like a Holy Ghost hoedown, amen. There's nothing as glorious, nothing as beautiful and wonderful as the worship of God by God. God, I want to tell you, Jesus said this. He said, the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Amen. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm hurrying to a close. I'd like the musicians to come. Esther came to the kingdom and she saved the kingdom because there was a man of God that kept her on track. She's still the focal point of the greatest celebration in Jewish, modern Jewish history. There's nothing better. Nothing better than a pure, undiluted moving of the Holy Ghost. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I look back on that story of, of Naaman. And Naaman... This man who said, I thought Elisha would do something sensational. So he went away in a huff. But you see, the word of the Lord had already come to him. The word of the Lord had already come to him. And his servants had heard the word of the Lord. The Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant that might be in you. And the servant gets a hold of Naaman. Says, Naaman, you wanted him to come out with fanfare. Smite his hand over the place of the leprosy. Do something that would titillate your senses. He said, you're leaving in a huff. But the prophet said, just go dip in Jordan seven times. Finally, Naaman let the word of God work in his life. And it had an effect upon him. So that the man who wanted sensationalism, the man who had come rolling up with his chariot and horses, the man who had come up all full of himself, comes humbly back to Elisha. And he knocks on his door and says, Hey, Elisha, Elisha, I've just discovered something about your God. He's into the supernatural, not the sensational. And I've discovered there's something so much better than the sensational. And, and Elisha, would it be all right? This house that I left just a few hours ago, so angry and such a hop. Now, I'm coming humbly back. And could I take just two 
mule loads of dirt from your house just off your yard if I could take it back home because I want to make an altar to the same supernatural power of God. Let me tell you, our generation, our generation is much like the generation of the early disciples, the early apostles. And I'm closing with this story. You know, Jesus was crucified. Disciples went into hiding. You talk about laws and times changing where everything was in a state of flux. Well, they didn't fit in the religious world. They didn't fit in their own society. They didn't belong in their own temple anymore. They just, everything, their lives were, their world was in an upheaval. Forty days, Jesus showed himself alive. But their mind, there were too many things that had changed. They were, they were making big leaps. It was big steps. And, and God was saying, look, just, just stay with me. Walk with me. My supernatural power is able to see you through. But, but they, were, they were fumbling and they were groping with supernatural things. And, 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 and they were trying to find their way. And it reached a point where you can tell they just got, they just got wore out with all the change. And Peter said... I'm going fishing. He wasn't committing Harry Carey. He just simply was checking out. I'm not lifting up my voice no more. I'm tired of fighting the tides of evil that are permeating this world. I'm talking to somebody. I'm tired of trying to resist everything and, and be vigilant and be sober because of my adversary. I want to tell you, there's no stopping place. We're in a war. There's a battle for the mind. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you, there's no place to stop this world and get off. It's a fight to the finish. It's a good fight. It's, on, it's a winning fight. We're on the winning side. But it's a fight to the finish. I said, it's a fight to the finish, preacher. God don't give you the liberty to get tired of, of resisting it. God doesn't give us the liberty of sin. Ooh, I don't know if I want to broach that subject. And, and, they, and Peter said, I'm going fishing. James and John said, I'm going with you. And the disciples whom Jesus loved, they all just took off and they went out fishing. They're just getting away from it all. Just not dealing with it. We're not dealing with it. Tired of wrestling with supernatural things. Tired of... And they fish all night long. And they've caught nothing. And they're almost back. They're so close that Peter can throw himself out of the boat and wade to shore. They're almost back to shore. They've caught nothing. And all of a sudden there's a voice in the grayness of that early morning. Just barely a foggy figure there on the bank. And he says, Children, have you any meat? They stop. And they look at one another. And I can see Peter, he says, Who's that? And they're looking. And the Bible says it was that disciple that Jesus loved. It was him. He recognized who it was. And he said, It is the Lord he's standing on the shore children have you any meat has it panned out like you thought you're just going to get away from it all you're going to go back and just feel the old familiar. is it working out like you thought have you any meat finally 
He said, no. They're in shallow water. They're almost home. I mean, they're almost back to the bank. Jesus says, let down your net. They've been there before. (laughs) They know better than to say, oh, we've toiled all night. Forget it. Let down your net. I can see, I, I know the tears had to be pouring down their face. The master, he's not rebuking us. He's not chiding us. He's not... He's not looking at us with scorn. He's just saying, let down your net. Oh, no. What? Oh, we've been here before. And they let the net down. And the Bible says uh, the net filled up, not just with fish. It filled up with the 153 great fish. And as the net began to bulge and the water began to foam in the thrashing of that shallow water. Amen. And they saw big fish and big fins flopping out of the water. And big tails. Uh, amen. Sloshing and splashing the water into a frenzy. Peter wraps his coat around him and he throws himself in and he just grabs the net and they begin dragging a man that net up towards the shore dragging it with tears running down their face no doubt thinking here's the master here's here's our Lord amen he's he's standing there and as they get up to the shore their old rough hands that have been fishing all night and caught nothing now in one moment I'm telling you, just in a moment of the Holy Ghost, it goes from nothing till all of heaven comes down. Children, have you any meat? I'm not here to rebuke you. I'm not here to chastise you. But, but, I just want to let you know that even though you're almost, it's a little bit confusing at times. A lot of things are changing. A lot of things are happening. I'm still going to bless you in the same old way I always did. It's still going to be the supernatural that makes it happen. It's still going to be my blessing. And I'm going to comfort you. And they go. And after he brings them, they see they're going to have revival in the same old way. It's just going to be the Holy Ghost. It's going to be praying it through. It's going to be preaching it through. It's going to be singing and worshiping it through. Amen. They come and he's got fish on the fire. And he gathers them around. Amen. And he brings them into a time of intimacy and fellowship. And saying, listen. I'm going to give you revival just like I always did. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you fellowship, the fellowship of my spirit. That's where it's at. I want to say to this church in this last hour, the first and the great commandment is that we must love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and with all our mind. And if we'll guard our mind, will say, you know what? I'm protecting the barriers. Thank you, Brother Coon. I'm setting up some boundaries that aren't going to be crossed over. Thank you, Brother Purdue. Thank you, Brother Marchbanks. I, 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 I want God. I want, what I want is when I get all done, thrashing the water around and churning the water all night, in one moment, God can take all of my sins and everything I've attempted, and God can, with one touch of His finger, 
do something that I could never accomplish in my life, in my church, in my home. I want us to stand together right now. The Holy Ghost is moving in this house. The Holy Ghost is dealing with hearts. I want to open this altar up, amen, to a heart that's hungry. God bless these of stepping out. I want to open this altar to somebody that says, you know what, preacher, I've been... I almost gave up pushing back against it. I almost reached a point where I felt like, why fight it? Why bother? Why deal with it? But I want to tell you, amen, the Lord is here. And He's saying, children, have you any meat? Amen. Children, children, if you'll come, if you'll come, I'll provide. I'll bless you. I've got a place provided. I've got fellowship for you. Hallelujah. I've got a place where your mind can rest. A place of fellowship where it doesn't matter what's happening in the world and how confusing it is. Amen. I'll give you revival, pastor. Amen. I'll bring sweet fellowship into your soul. I'll do something supernatural. Amen.